as you know, we are in our journey through John. Uh, it's been a great journey. I've been loving just the gospel of John and all the things that God has been revealing to us. And last week, uh, we were in uh, chapter uh, 16, and, and it's the time where Jesus has been talking to his disciples uh, because he, is know, he knows that he is going to be uh, arrested soon. And as he finishes his conversation with the disciples, he now lifts up his voice in prayer. And chapter 17 is known as the great intercessory prayer of Jesus Christ. And uh, in that prayer, we're going to see a deep desire of the Lord. It's a, and I say deep desire because Jesus actually prayed it three times in this prayer. Uh, so today that deep desire is going to be our focus. And I want to look at those three times and three verses. So John chapter 17, we're going to look at first verse is uh, verse 11. Jesus said, I will remain in the world no longer. This is as he's praying. But they are still in the world, meaning his disciples. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. Now verse 21. In verse 21, again, Jesus is still praying that all of them, my disciples, may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I and in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then lastly, verse 23. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now and as we prepare to look into these wonderful scriptures, this intercessory prayer that reveals a deep desire of yours, I pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit right now, Father. Help me to communicate every single thought that you place in my heart. I pray for all of us. As always, God, help us to, to hear. Help us to understand the truth of your word and how it applies to our life even today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as we just read, the Lord's deep desire, that which he prayed three times in this great intercessory prayer, is that the disciples would be one as he and the Father are one. That they would be brought, notice he said, that they would be brought to complete unity. Now, the word complete there uh, literally means unwavering. And, of course, unity is that oneness. Uh, and it, to, for the purposes of today's message and to make sure that we're all on the same page, unity or oneness means that singleness of vision or purpose. A singleness in vision or purpose. That's what we're talking about in unity or oneness. So, Jesus three times prayed that his disciples, both present at that time and future disciples, that they would live 
in complete unity, having this unwavering singular vision or purpose, just as he and the Father are one. So in other words, the standard of unity that the Lord prayed for was not just that you and I would be one as the people of God, but we would be one as he and the Father are one. That complete unity that never, ever wavers. And so notice he said that that unwavering uh, singular vision or purpose, that, that, that complete unity would let the world know that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that we are the people of God. In other words, this complete unity, which is the title of this message today, testifies to the world that we are, in fact, the people of God and that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. And so, as I mentioned, this deep desire of the Lord is our focus today, this complete unity. And so before I get into the application of complete unity, I, I want to talk for a few moments about its counterpart, because I think we need to address it and understand that complete unity is that unwavering, singular vision or purpose. On the counter side of that, uh, we have division. Division means that there is a split or a multiple vision or purpose. Division occurs when there are multiple visions, purposes, and each side now is insisting on their vision. In other words, uh, I have Mark here this morning, one of our singers. If Mark and I, and Mark has his vision and I have my vision, and when we are insistent on, on both of our visions being implemented, then we have division. See, it's okay to have different, vi different visions as far as ideas and purposes, but when all is said and done, for there to be complete unity, only one vision must prevail. When there are two visions that are being pushed, then you have division. And this is important because Jesus said this in uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Jesus said this. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. So notice Jesus made it very clear that the end result of division is always ruin. The end result of division is always ruin, the collapsing of, of that, that unit, whatever it might be. And we're going to get into that. I think that this is one of the important reasons why more than ever before, the church needs to pray for our nation. I don't think anybody is in disagreement when I say that Right now, our nation is divided. More than ever before, we see huge gaps of, of visions and, and what people desire to see happening in our nation. And so these visions are really con uh, competing with one another and fighting one another to the measure that we as a nation have been divided more than ever before. And we need to pray that God would bring us back into a complete unity. Otherwise, 
Notice Jesus' word. Every kingdom or nation that's divided against itself will be ruined. Now, when it comes to the church, when the church is divided, when there are multiple visions in the church, when they are competing with each other, as I said, then that church cannot stand. Whenever we have situations develop in church where you have multiple visions and people are insisting on their vision of what they see should happen, how the church should function, when a church is filled with people pushing their agenda, if you will, their vision for what they want to see their church be like, then you have these multiple visions or divisions. And again, the word of the Lord comes into place if that church does not change, if, they, if people continue to push their own agenda, then that church is divided, and ultimately, that church cannot stand. It's why the Bible has very clear directions from us that sound so strong, but because the end result is ruin where the church cannot stand, listen to what Romans chapter 16, uh, verse 17 and 18, the word of the Lord instructs us. I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetite. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. And then in Titus, listen to Titus chapter 3, verse 10. Warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Now, that may sound harsh. That may seem like, wow, I mean, the Bible literally lays out, if you have a person in the church that is pushing their own agenda to the measure that is creating division in the church, we are to warn them once. Then we're to warn them a second time. And then if that still doesn't change their, their, their mindset, if that still doesn't change their attitude and their actions, then the Bible is very clear. Have nothing to do with them. Let them know that they're no longer welcome in the church. As harsh as that sounds, it's important that we recognize the reason why uh, both in Romans and in Titus, we are instructed by the Apostle Paul to make sure that we don't give any ground to division is because of the truth of God's word. That when a household is divided, it will not stand. When the church is divided, it will not stand. Stand. Complete unity. That is the deep desire of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in his great intercessory prayer, he prayed this three times that the Father would do that in the hearts of his people. Let's continue to break it down. <coughs> Excuse me. Because we talked about our nation being divided. We talked about what could happen when the church is divided. What about households? When households is divided, again, this principle comes into place even in households. When a household is divided, it will not 
stand. Notice the Bible tells us about marriage that the two shall become what? One, meaning unified. In God's eyes, when there is a marriage that takes place, spiritually, there is a coming together, and in the kingdom of God, he has now declared that couple to be one. But we know that marriage is the lifelong process of developing that oneness, of keeping that oneness. So what happens? Well, I've been married 42 years. You know how I've made it 42 years? My wife and I are one. Whatever she wants, I say, yes, dear. And there you go. That's unity. Only kidding. Well, not really kidding. But anyway. Isn't it true, those of us that are married, hardship comes into the marriage, into the household, when there's division, when there's two visions, where the spouses each have a different outlook on life, on the marriage, on the family, and they are both are insisting on their way, and neither one will move from their position. And so because they're divided, they cannot stand. It's important that we recognize as parents, as spouses, that ruin comes when division is present. And when we are able to be one, we're able to recognize we can have differences of opinion, but in the end, we must come together and make a decision that was best for the household and agree on that so that we can maintain that unity. And when we do that, the marriage is strong and the household is strong. Would you say amen to that? Now, whether it's our nation, our city, our church, or our family, Jesus' words come into play in this, in this wise, that if there's division, we have ruin and we cannot stand. That's why complete unity is the deep desire of the Lord as he prayed in this intercessory prayer three times. It's also why God's word exhorts us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to what it says there. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Perfectly united in mind and thought. In other words, that, that complete unity where there is unwavering oneness, singleness of purpose. Uh, when we have uh, meetings, uh, uh, when we have our business meetings, and when we talk about uh, the affairs of the church, when, uh, when the board gets together and they are talking about all the, 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 the church and decisions that have to be made. Again, God is not saying that we can't have a difference of opinion. God can't say that we can't be expressive in what we feel. But we all have to come to a place where we recognize we cannot have multiple visions. We can only have one vision that everybody gets behind and supports. And that's what complete unity is all about. I remember that for many times, I've shared this with some of the pastors in the past, 
when I was the associate pastor in New York, and, and my, the lead pastor was my best friend, and there are times when our, in the office privately, he and I would have a difference of opinion, and he would hear me out, and then he said, I, I, let me pray about this, and I'll get back to you, and that was fine with me because I knew he was a man of God and still is a man of God, and he would uh, look to the Lord, and then he'd come up with a decision that he'd make, and whenever he came back and said, Carlos, I feel that this is what we need to do. I would support that. No one ever knew that I disagreed. I would come out of his office. We had one vision. My pastor has come with a vision that he feels, a direction that he feels, and we are going to go in that direction with all of our hearts. And that's why I believe God has blessed the church in all the years that we were there. Listen, God is looking for a unified people a people that have singleness of purpose. Can you imagine here on the platform, Pastor Jason and his team, if everybody had their own opinion of how we were going to lead worship? And Pastor Jason is, is singing one song, but, but Mark, and you know Mark, people always say, why Mark, why? Mark is over here. No, Mark is on this side. I'm sorry. I'm going to come over here. Mark is in that place where all of a sudden, you know, he's like, I don't want to sing that song. I think we should be singing this song. And Mark starts singing his song. And, of course, Jessica, she doesn't want to get outplayed by Mark. And she, she understands that Pastor Jason, sometimes he's a little bit off. So she feels, I'm the only real stable one in this place, so I got to do my song. And now we got three different songs going because we have three different visions of how worship should be led. And the poor people are looking at this online and saying, what in the world is going on in that church? We cannot stand when we're divided. We may not always agree, but we have to honor and respect leadership. And we're going to see about why the blessing, where the blessing comes. It's why in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote this in chapter 4, verse 3. Listen, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, let me share with you from a practical perspective how complete unity is achieved. Complete unity is achieved when you realize it's more important to keep oneness than to get your way. Did you hear what I just said? Complete unity is when you recognize it is more important to keep that unity rather than to get my own way. See, when we in the, in the church want our own way and assisting on that, we don't care about what other people think. We don't care about the havoc that is causing in the church. And then, so we have the division and the church cannot stand. But when I realize I have shared my thoughts and what I, why I feel what I feel, but I submit that to the leadership of the church. Why? Because what's more important than me getting my way is to keep the unity of the Spirit. I'd rather be looked at as wrong. I'd rather be neglected than to keep insisting to get my way and bring about division. And that goes, by the way, in the home as well, right? Every husband, every wife has to evaluate when there is a disagreement, you have to come to that place and say, I'd rather let go 
of my thoughts, of what I want, rather than continuing this disagreement that brings about an argument that divides us and keeps us divided, right? Complete unity can only be achieved when we realize it's more important to keep the unity than to get our way. And when we are unwavering in that, we fulfill the deep desire of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why, do, why is keeping the unity so critical? The 133rd Psalm. Let's look at that. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head and running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down onto the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there, listen, for there, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Notice that the Bible is teaching us something here about complete unity, that there is a blessing that God pours out when he finds that complete unity. There is, first of all, it's good and pleasant. Nobody wants to be in a place where there's division because where there's division, there's always arguments. Where there's division, there's always anger. Whether it's in the, 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 the nation, the city, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the home, when there's division, there is no peace. But when there is this complete unity, then we have peace. That's why it's good and it's pleasant. Then the Bible says, when there is this unity, there is the anointing that comes from the Father. There is an anointing that comes on a unified people. It is like the oil that's poured and running down from Aaron's beard and onto his robe and a collar and the rest. I want you to see something here. The unity of the Spirit brings upon an anointing from heaven. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes when there is unity. Why? Because God looks at it and he is pleased. It fulfills his great intercessory prayer, his deep desire that they might be one, Father, as you and I are one. And when there is a oneness on the team, the Father looks upon that and says, the worship team, they are one in spirit. Let me pour out the spirit of the Lord. Now, it's important that I mention this and stress this. The key for complete unity comes from the head down. In the home, complete unity is determined by the direction received from the husband, from God to the husband, ministering to the wife and to the family. When there's complete unity in that way, the Spirit of the Lord comes and anoints and blesses that family. In the same way, in church, there is the pastor, 
There's the, the leadership team, the board, and the other pastors. We receive vision from the Lord. When we receive that vision and pass it on to the congregation, and the congregation embraces that vision, there's an anointing that comes. But when there is a, a pushing against that authority that God has established, when there is those that want to rise up to the top and say, no, I want, I want my way to happen, and then there now we, we have that division and the anointing stops. It's my prayer this morning that we have complete unity, not just in our nation, in our city, but in our church and in all of our homes. But we need to recognize that there's a blessing that God has reserved just for those who have embraced that complete unity, who follow that God's guidance and outline. And when we do that, my Lord, we're going to see God do some incredible things. Pastor Jason, would you come back up, please? Listen to the prayer of the Apostle Paul. We're going to read this. Then Pastor Jason and the team will lead us in a song, and then I want to pray. I want to pray for our nation, which includes our city, that God will bring us to complete unity. I want to pray for every household, that there will be complete unity in your household so that the blessing of God may flow upon that household. I want to pray for the blessing of God on our church, complete unity. In Romans chapter 15, verse 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul said, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Listen, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One mind, one voice. We're talking about complete unity this morning.